Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with Forgotten Sheep Podcast. And today I'd like to do something a little bit different with the podcast. The person I'm going to talk about is not a famous missionary, not a famous preacher or philanthropist. It's my mom. And she had a huge impact on my life and on who I am today. And you'll notice I'm talking about her in the past tense. Uh, She passed away in June of 2018, and the reason I'm doing a podcast when I am is her birthday is coming up on January 8th, so I'd like to tell you a little bit about my mother, Laura McCaslin. So my mom, Laura, spelled L-U-R-A was born in uh, Northeast Texas in 1932 to Ida and James Blassingham. And I've seen pictures of her when she was a kid. She had a short haircut. She did not like it. Uh, As she grew older, she talked her mom into getting her a home perm. And uh, I believe that was the beginning of uh, her being a hairstylist later in life. Uh, She gave herself perms. She was good enough at it that some of the neighbors would ask her to do their perms. And there's a picture of her as a nine-year-old with a um, Hollywood pompadour hairstyle. So apparently she she was pretty good at it. Um, She tended to bemoan the fact that she did not have long hair as a kid, which is probably why she made sure I had long hair as a kid. Um, But... Moving on, she did get saved when she was a kid, but there really wasn't any teaching to tell her that just because you sin, it doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. And I think this is something that really needs to be taught to teenagers and kiddos, because I don't think it's clear. And some adults need to hear this too. If you get saved and then the next morning you wake up and you don't feel saved anymore... That doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you need to pray. It means if you did something wrong, you need to take it to the Lord and tell him what you did. He already knows, and he'll forgive you if you bring it to him in prayer. So she struggled with that. She thought she wasn't a a Christian. And so she grew up um, when she was 18. uh, Grandma Blassingame, uh, her mother, Ida Blassingame, sent her from Northeast Texas to Oklahoma City to live with her her brother and his wife, one of her brothers. She was one of seven kiddos, one of two girls, and she was the youngest, by the way. And so she was awfully lonely in Oklahoma City. Um, it was hard on her, and she met my dad, Ron McCaslin, and uh, fell in love with him. And they got married. Um, Then they had my oldest brother, Bob, and they had my sister, Donna. I'm much, much younger than they are. So, you know, that's kind of the background, some background. But what I want to focus on is about how she got saved. Mom was very unhappy. Um, my, My guesstimation is that she felt very unloved. She was doing her best to be the 
1950s-1960s housewife. Her house was spotless. She worked hard at it. She, When she got married, she worked hard at learning how to cook and to do a good job of it, cooking and baking. And she was trying her very best, and yet there was a lingering unhappiness, as is with so many of us. We get what we think we're supposed to be aiming for. We get we get there, we get to that position, and yet we still feel so empty. And so she and my dad, she had picked up smoking from dad. He was a bad influence, I'll be honest. She picked up smoking, she picked up um, drinking. She was leaving behind a lot of what she had been taught as a child. She um, she talked about going to a nightclub with my dad. Uh, they went. He had a membership. I can't remember what it was called, but they could go to a lot of the uh, fancy. Uh, fancy's probably not the best word for it. More exclusive uh, entertainment venues, um, dining venues. By this time, they had moved to California and I believe in Los Angeles. So. They were trying. They were uh, living the life of a very successful couple in the 1950s and 60s, and it was empty. Mom talked about being at one nightclub with my dad, and they had um, the girls dancing. You know, um, I think for those of us that are more uh, living more modern or are younger than that, the best thing I. Th- think from her description would be like the uh, Vegas reviews so they were um, scantily clad and my mom said she looked around and for the first time in her life even though she was in her 30s for the first time in her life she saw the lust on men's faces around her and she got extremely uncomfortable and insisted they leave and also at this time she had a neighbor who by the descriptions that were she gave was um, most likely schizophrenic. So this neighbor, um, I'm not going to use her real name, was confiding in mom a lot of her distress and her anxiety. She talked to my mom about waking up in the night feeling like her blood was boiling and she wanted to kill someone, she wanted to murder someone. Obviously, severe mental distress. And my mom... And you got to love this. She said, well, I can't help you, but I know that the, um, the God my mother served, the God my mother believes in, I know he can help you. Isn't that funny? So mom started telling her about her mom's Jesus, the Jesus that her mom served. And so she's, my mom starts reading her Bible. And so she can share it with the neighbor. And that's what she's doing. She starts reading her Bible and reading her Bible and reading her Bible. And one day, as she, the kids had gone off, to, uh, gone off to school, my dad was at work, and Mom was reading her Bible again, not for herself, mind you, but to help the neighbor. And all of a sudden, she said she put it down to get started with her chores, her work for the day. And it was like liquid love was being poured on her. That thing that she sought so hard, that thing that was so missing 
that void in her life, it was like liquid love was being poured out on her. She said it was a love like no other. It was a love that was indescribable, and it was like the whole room was filling up. And I know from things that were said that she did not feel loved as a child. Um, there were issues. There were things going on. There was a lot of stuff going on. She she didn't feel loved. She she never truly felt loved by my dad. And that happens with so many couples. It doesn't mean someone's marriage is a failure. It doesn't mean they're... Um, they've done anything wrong it just happens sometimes but here was a love that was more satisfying than any other type of love that she could have ever found and that's the day that my mom gave her heart to the lord she was in her 30s i want to say she was 36 i could be wrong about this but that's the day she gave her heart to the lord and things began to change she stopped drinking um, eventually my dad stopped drinking at home. Uh, he did, he did get saved too, but, um, not necessarily right away, but mom stopped drinking. She started buying Christian albums because she was hungry for the presence of the Lord in her home. And so she started buying Christian albums and she started going to church. And you know, the neat thing about it. In her eyes, you know, my dad had a lot of faults, but he went along with this. I mean, he was problematic at times, but he would go to church. He was he was always uh, ready to drive them to church. He was always ready for uh, any adventure that we ever wanted to go on. And so, um, from what I understand, for the most part, dad was fairly cooperative about all of this. Honestly, he was probably too tired from work to put up much of a fight. <laughs> but they started going to church. And mom said that, you know, she felt the Lord at church, too. And she was reading King James Bible. And she also eventually got her hands on Good News for Modern Man, the Good News Translation. Um, in her book, she also had a living Bible. Those alternate translations did not lead her astray. So she began to pray when, with my brother and sister, Bob and Donna, before they'd go to school. And she began to have um, what they used to call home altar. Now, it's not an altar in the sense that you build an altar in your home or set up an altar. It is in a spiritual sense where you have time set aside uh, during the day, possibly in the morning or evening, um, and you take time to study the scriptures as a family. Now, I don't know that my dad always participated, but he he seemed to, from what I hear, he seemed to be fairly cooperative about it. So they would read some scriptures, and they would take turns praying, and mom would put them on the spot to pray, you know, and she would pray also. And so that was home altar, and that's a tradition in a lot of Christian families, and I think it's a good one also. And so eventually uh, Bob and Donna got saved, and home life changed a whole lot. There was no more drinking in the home. There was no, uh, they did have secular albums. Uh, I know uh, I know that they had like um, 
the words were, the artist names were escaping me, but like, um, Perry Como, uh, Frank Sinatra, and, uh, you know, similar, because my mom had always loved music, but she was playing Christian music more in the house now. She was becoming more active in church. She was praying, and she was still trying to help the neighbor the best that she could. But I think it's fascinating that mom's relationship with the Lord grew out of her trying to help a neighbor. Even though she wasn't serving God at the time, my mom knew the answer to her neighbor's problems. She knew what would help. So I thought that was pretty cool. So that's kind of the story about how my mom got saved. Now, I wasn't around yet then. I don't know this firsthand. It comes, this comes to me secondhand. But now I'd like to share with you what I do know firsthand. All right, so um, my parents moved from Los Angeles to Texas in 1976. Uh, my dad was looking for a slower way of life. Uh, believe it or not, the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, was still way slower than what he had anticipated. That's a story for another day. Um, my mom and my sister followed my dad. Um, he moved here first to get a job set up and start looking at property. So mom and uh, Donna followed in a little yellow VW bug driving all the way from Los Angeles to Dallas with the world's meanest silky terrier, a miniature poodle, and a collie. Big collie, not the little ones. We're talking a big, rough collie, okay? <laughs> so that was their adventure on that. That shows you how much the Lord had set my mom free from the fear of driving. And when I was a kid, man, she'd drive anywhere in Dallas. It didn't matter how bad the traffic was. She handled it fine. Um, and she had an excellent sense of direction. I always said you could blindfold her, spin her around, drop her anywhere in Dallas, Fort Worth, and she would find her destination without a problem. Were there road closures due to construction? Not a problem. My mom would zero in on where she needed to go. Um, growing up, I never felt her stress, her being stressed when she was driving. Maybe a little bit when there were road closures, but... She was perfectly calm and collected driving in even the worst of uh, Dallas traffic. So, that said, I came along in 78. She called me the child of her old age. Now, growing up, um, I had the mellow version of them because I came along much later. And um, I would see books around the house. Now, my mom kept the house where it looked like a magazine cover. I kid you not. That is how perfect she kept it. I came along. That became much more challenging because I'm like a natural entropy and natural chaos. If they had a child, that would have been me. So she had a little bit more struggle when I came along. But she handled it. And she <clears throat> handled me too. <laughs> uh, with discipline. But books. Her favorite authors were... A.W. Tozer, E.M. Bounds, uh, Ravenhill, of course, Charles Finney. Um, I would see her with commentaries out. She had a full set of Matthew Henry commentaries. 
a single-volume Adam Clark commentary. As I got older, I got us some Beacon Bible commentaries and managed to get my hands on a full set of Adam Clark commentaries. Let me just go ahead and say this. When I hit about 16, um, I had my own personal revival in my heart, my own renewed relationship with the Lord. And Mom and I had an absolute blast reading together. Okay? So those books also became important to me. But talking again about my mom's favorite authors, Agnes Sanford. She absolutely loved Agnes Sanford and her books about um, the Lord and about healing. She had Catherine Marshall. Not so much the Christian fiction that Catherine Marshall wrote, but her books um, like... Uh, one of them was entitled something more more of her uh, Christian book. She had a few biographies. Her love, her biography collection grew as I started growing up because I influenced her that way. Um, her primary Bible was King James Version Schofield Reference Bible. She also had, as I alluded to earlier, she had Good News for Modern Man. That was her... Um, that was her favorite one growing up, the one she used to read with Bob and Donna a lot and with me. Um, in the earliest versions of the Good News Bible, they actually had little hand-drawn uh, cartoons in it, very stylistic, very awesome. Kids love that. Grown-ups love it, too. So um, she was never King James Version only. And again, guys, I'm just telling you my mom's story. If you're King James Version only... That's great. I'm not going to look down on you for that. I'm not going to criticize you for that. I'm just telling my family story. So, I knew that my mom would get up in the morning and pray. There was a time, there, certain period of time. I was not to disturb her. By the time she prayed through, where she was really in the presence of the Lord, I could come in there and, as a little kid, lay my head in her lap, and it was not a problem. She never fussed at me or made me, that I remember, made me go back to bed if I disturbed her. She would usually have me come in there where she was, and she would just keep praying, and I was usually content. I could feel the presence of the Lord when she prayed, and I was content to hang around. Now, there was a struggle she had. She prayed and said, Lord, something's got to give with this child. She's getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning, and she's getting up in one foul mood. And she prayed about it, and so I started miraculously sleeping until 10, uh, something which my body has never given up. So, yeah, I started sleeping in as a little kid, and that gave her time to get prayed through so that when I came in, she had the spirit of prayer, and it was not, it didn't disturb her at all. So, I still tend to want to sleep in until 10 a.m. And I remember one time, and I think it was in, during college break, Mom was fussing at me for not getting up. And I said, well, Mom, it's your fault. You prayed for me to sleep in. And you need to pray for the Lord to change that. <laughs> but she made it a priority that she did not want to start her day until she had prayed through. And that continued well into the dementia that later set in in her um, seven. 70s and 80s but that was important to her that was her kind of her anchor for the day was making that contact with the lord 
And I remember hearing her weep as she prayed. I remember hearing her praying over my brother and sister when they had turned their backs on the Lord and had gone off into all kinds of sin. I remember her praying. I remember hearing her pray for their protection. I remember hearing her pray for me. I can, guys, I can still feel her hands even after she was older and they had become, they never became twisted, but they became knotted with arthritis. I can still feel those hands on me. And one of the things that I take comfort in is that even though my mom is not still here, those prayers didn't suddenly disappear when she passed. Those prayers are still very real. They still have power. Those prayers are still recorded in heaven. And if you have a loved one that you've lost, that you know they prayed their heart out for you, know that those prayers still stand. And those prayers still have their effect and power. But yeah, that's some of my memories as a kid. I remember her going to church. Well, all of us going to church. Um, in my earliest days, it was Sarah Sharp's Church, El Bethel in DeSoto, Texas, on Hampton Road. And that's where my mom got um, introduced to a lot of the Christian authors she loved was through Sarah Sharp. And then there was... Um, Brother David Brockler's church, uh, Tabernacle Assembly of God in Irving. I can't remember the name of the road that it was on. That's where I got saved. But again, that's a story for another day. But um, her books, her commentaries, all of that, uh, I grew up seeing those books. The first book I remember recognizing was A.W. Tozer's I Call It Heresy. And I was a little kid, and my spelling skills were not super good, but I had seen Mom eating Hershey bars, so I thought it was called, I call it Hershey, and I thought it was the history of the Hershey Company, but I couldn't understand why there was a picture of mountains on it, and I couldn't understand why Mom was caught up in a book about Hershey bars. <laughs> but um, I have all her books, except the ones we loaned out, so... Um, and it's a neat thing. I can flip open one of her books and see her markings in there, and I still have that connection with her through her books. When I was about nine years old, um, Grandma Blessingame passed away. That was my mom's mom. And my mom was, oh, man, that broke her heart in a million pieces. And now that I've lost her, I understand. It just totally broke her heart that her mom was gone. Um, I was eight or nine years old. Um, Grandma was in the hospital. Things were not looking good. Mom and I and Dad were in Sherman, and Mom was going to spend the night with her again but needed some clean jeans. And so Dad ran. Uh, Dad and Mom and I, we headed over to the local mall there in Sherman. Uh, grabbed her some jeans, and it was my fault that we got delayed going back to the house because McGruff the Crime Dog was there, and you know how kids in the 80s felt about McGruff the Crime Dog. I loved McGruff. So there was a delay in getting back to the house. We get back to the house, and the first thing that Mom notices is everybody's car is there. And she gets in, and I think it was Aunt Lori, my Aunt Lori, 
uh, that told her that Grandma had passed. And Mom ran back to Grandma's bedroom, and me and Dad followed her. And Mom put her hands, initially put her hands on the dresser or on the um, chest of drawers and then over her face and just cried like crazy. And me and Dad, we didn't know what to do. But we just put our arms around Mom and hugged her while she cried. Mom went into a severe depression after that. Um, probably complicated by things that my brother and sister were doing that were not how they were raised. And depression was bad. It was really bad. And Mom talked about that depression. And in later years, she told me, you know, she was depressed. She was starting to have trouble with her back. She ended up with serious spinal stenosis and all of that. And she and my dad, they weren't getting along. And it was just a huge, a huge mess that she was going through. And she said that she was so sad. So she noticed outside had a ton of trees in our backyard, and that meant a ton of leaves. And we had a fence around the backyard, so the leaves went nowhere. And she saw the leaves out there, and she thought, I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to break. Even if it's just a little spot, I'm going to break. And so Mom got up, and she walked out there, and she started to break. She, I think she said all she could handle that day was about a six-foot-by-six-foot six area. But she raked it, threw it over the fence, and the next day she did it again. And she said that was the starting point of her. I wouldn't say that she was free of the depression. I think she struggled with depression for the rest of her life. Probably before that too. I have similar struggles. I think it runs in our family. But it was the beginning of her getting victory over it. Now, guys, she struggled with that depression. Did she believe her mother was in heaven? Absolutely. She tore the place up looking for an album that had a particular song that brought her comfort called Beautiful Isle of Somewhere. And she knew Grandma went to heaven, but it still broke her heart in a million pieces. She was going to miss Grandma. And that's okay for us to have our hearts broken when we lose a loved one. Sometimes people are so callous and saying, well, you know they're in heaven, right? And I'm not talking about friends that say that. I'm just talking about other people outside of our friends that know us and love us, okay? People will flippantly say that, okay? They say that and, you know, well, I don't see what... Let me tell you what happened to my grandma, okay? My grandma blasting game when grandpa passed away. She was talking about being sad and missing him and all that. And this young lady at church said, well, aren't, why are you so sad? You know he went to heaven and he's with the Lord. And grandma said, I'm not sad for him. I'm sad for me because I miss him. <laughs> and that was my mom. She was sad. She knew grandma was in heaven. She, my grandma was 95 when she passed away. She lived a long life. Mom knew that Grandma was in heaven and that was her dream and all of that, but she still missed her. She missed her presence on this earth. And she worried about, um, no doubt she worried about not having Grandma to pray for her. And let me just tell you, as a kid, I thought Grandma was um, 
one of the most wonderful people in the whole world outside my mom, okay? So, but she, that going out and raking, she just made that effort to start pushing through. And you know, that's, that's something else too. The Lord gives us the grace we need to get through these situations. It doesn't mean we'll get through unscathed. It doesn't mean we won't have struggles. It doesn't mean we won't struggle with depression all of our lives. But the Lord can give us the grace to press through and hang in there. And that's what my mom experienced. She was able, she had reached the point of being almost non-functional. In her eyes, what would be non-functional? Someone else's eyes, it might have looked just fine. But in mom's eyes, she knew something was seriously wrong. She didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to clean the house. She lost interest in her passions of things like sewing and redecorating and all of that. Nothing that she had enjoyed before held any joy for her anymore. But she was able to get through that by the grace of the Lord. And she kept praying through it all. Another um, major incident in my, my childhood was when my dad uh, developed a severe hemorrhage in his sinuses. Uh, man, that was, uh, that was scary. And I'm not talking about a nosebleed. I'm talking about life-threatening hemorrhage. That he was hospitalized for days on end. This happened more than once. And my dad is, uh, initially, he was in the hospital. It um, used to be called Charlton Methodist. Uh, near DeSoto, Texas, and she and Donna, were they didn't know what on earth to do. Mom felt like the doctors weren't handling it right. Um, I heard, Apparently, I heard them talking. I was little at this time, like five or six. I heard them talking, and I, um, Mom came, Mom and Donna talking about they didn't know if Dad was going to make it, and they didn't know I was listening. Guys, let me just tell you, Kids are always listening. They're always listening. And they understand a whole lot more than you think. So, I came prison in and I said, well, I don't care what you guys think. I believe Papa is going to make it. He did. But then he developed the problem again. And Mom called a, a really great guy that eventually became our pastor. His name was Dr. Carl Tillery. Um, he's in Arkansas now, if he is still alive. His wife is Edith Tillery. Mom talked to Dr. Tillery. He was a counselor, and he was someone that was qualified to be a Christian counselor and to give advice. Okay, he was qualified. He didn't just put that label. At that time, he was at Eagle's Nest uh, Cathedral. Mom talked to him, and um, I don't know what all was said. And I may be getting the uh, chronology of all this mixed up, but I know that Mom talked to him. And mom went to her Bible and she saw the scripture, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing shall be established. And she thought, maybe I need to get a second opinion for Ron. Maybe I need to get another doctor to look at him. And if they both say the same thing, then that's, you know, that's it. Well, she took him. She decided that if she was going to take dad to another doctor, it should be one of those... Um, fancy doctors in more in the downtown Dallas area than one so close to DeSoto. So that's what she did. He started treating my dad. My dad had another um, hemorrhage. But 
they were able to deal with it and get it completely under control. A lot less scary than the time he was at the uh, hospital near DeSoto. But mom prayed and sought guidance from the Lord for something that is not a spiritual matter. But she prayed and sought guidance and the Lord showed her what to do. The Bible says, if any man seek wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So she asked the Lord for wisdom and the Lord gave her wisdom. I think that's neat. Uh, later on, my da uh, they were having serious financial trouble. Uh, very serious. And mom talked to Dr. Uh, Tillery. And he told her, you know, to trust the Lord. That the Lord has a way of working things out. Just tr trust the Lord. And you know what the Lord did? He worked that out. And I do want to say... That my parents were faithful in paying their tithes. They were generous and giving and all of that. And later on when we were in serious, serious financial straits, the Lord provided. Later on when my mom had to go into assisted living, her dementia was bad enough that she couldn't be left home alone. And believe me, I tried my best to get her to cooperate with me about some things so she could stay at home and it didn't work out. But she went into assisted living, and the Lord had provided. Her brother had left her a sizable, I think it was $100,000 or $150,000. And my mom was very careful with it. She's hardly spent any of it. And so that provided, made a way for her to be in assisted living until her health finally broke and she had to go into a nursing home. The Lord provided. So, uh... Your best investment is not necessarily stocks and bonds. The most lasting investment you can make is in the kingdom of God. So, moving on. Um, my dad passed away in 2003. He was 74 at the time he passed. I think he was 73. And um, that hit mom hard. Even though she would tell you up and down that she didn't love dad. Oh my goodness, she loved him. I'm, the care she took of him after he got sick, he ended up with dementia, diabetes. He ended up with lung cancer, all these things. The care she took of him was love. That's real love, not romantic love. Yeah, I agree. She didn't maybe have that romantic love for him anymore. But she had something deeper and stronger, which I think is cool, you know. So, it hit her hard when Dad passed. I think she had already started showing signs of dementia, and it got worse. Um, about 2008, I knew something was seriously wrong. I didn't know what to do. I just turned 30. I was still living at home, so I knew firsthand things were getting worse. She was still praying. She was still seeking the Lord. Um... And I don't want to dwell on the sad side of all of this. I don't need to dwell on the sad side of all of this. Uh, but the Lord was still the most important thing to her, even through the dementia. She, she reached the point one day where she told me she was trying to pray for me. I was upset. And she said, Sarah, the words just don't come out right. And I said, that's okay, Mom. The Lord knows exactly what your, what your heart is praying 
and you don't have to worry about getting the words right. Uh, it came the time when she was um, when she was about to pass away, and I apologize if I cry during this. Um, it still hurts very, very badly for me. I knew she would pass. I spent the day with her. I, I was reading a book on my own. I was reading Evangeline, a uh, biography of Evangeline Booth. I call it Evangeline because I'm a Texan and I mispronounce things. But I was, I realized mom was going to pass that day. So I sat by her bedside and we finished that book together. She, um, I still remember the last time she looked at me. Opened her eyes again. I don't want to dwell on the depressing parts of this. But that evening, you know, I had to go home. I had to get a quick shower, get something to eat. I went back up there. Um, I know I had some friends, that, uh, one friend that was very sweetly concerned about me going back up there. Did I have the energy, you know, was it? healthy for me but it, it worked out okay I was there I remember singing by her bedside bless her heart poor mom had to listen to my out of tune singing but I sang what I could remember of some of her favorite songs including the Gaithers she had been listening to the Gaithers since the 1960s but I was singing by her bedside and I started talking to her about how mm -hmm. it's you know we naturally can have a fear of death, and it's, I'd heard it said it was like a door we walk through, but the important thing to remember, if you're a Christian, you're just not walking through a door into the darkness, but Jesus is waiting on the other side of that door, and I did my best to preach her a little sermon on how much the Lord loved her, and that she didn't need to be scared and that I would be okay. You know, I just, I tried to bring her whatever comfort I could. Um, I think I started reading to her out of the Psalms. And she passed late at night uh, on June the 8th, about 11, 11.30. I'll tell you what, um, she loved the Lord to the very end. One of her favorite things was when the chaplain would come by and he would share with mom what his message was going to be for that Sunday. She absolutely loved that. She appreciated it so much. Having a chaplain come by and talk to her about the things of God and letting her share with him was the absolute delight of her week. So I just wanted to, to share that. So even though our minds may become confused, the Lord is still, the Lord loves us just as much. And even when the prayers won't come out right anymore, the Lord hears the cry of our heart. And even though we may feel like our loved ones have betrayed us, putting us in a nursing home or something like that, we're still beloved by God. And so I just wanted to share that. I wanted to tell you guys about my mom. About why she's special to me. Uh, she's had more impact on me than anyone else. Uh, I truly believe that I, be, I got a far better Christian training than I would have in any school of theology. 
She's had a huge impact on me. And thank you for listening. I appreciate it. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to the Forgotten Sheep Podcast.